enter into your presence, Father. Just think about how much you love us, God, that you are making a way even when things seem out of control and random and, Lord, we don't know what to do. You are with us. You love us. Lord, help us to trust in you, put our trust in you, that you will take us through, God, that there is great hope in your Son. So this morning, I pray that as we hear your word, that you would speak to us and help us to trust you more. And so, Father, we give this time to you in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to Risen Life, those of you that are online and those of you that are here in person. And I was in Tennessee this week celebrating the 80th birthday of my dad and uh, it's fun to think about his life and the things he said you know it's things he would have done differently and things he liked uh, and you know, as we're thinking about Ecclesiastes and uh, lots of good things going on in the church I think you can see that this morning even as we're sending out these graduates we're going to send out the Guatemala team at the end of the service we had a great worship night Friday night that another group did in our building. We're going to put one on this fall for us, for here in the congregation. And today we have a Discovering Risen Life right after uh, the service. For those of you that are new to Risen Life, we invite you to come to lunch with us in the Fellowship Hall, hear about what we believe as a church, hear about where we're going, and what you can do to be a part of it. We'd love to have you. And then, of course, Family VBS is coming up June 26th through the 29th. And I'll be focused on prayer. Great time. Invite friends. There'll be stuff for your kids to do, stuff for the parents to do. We're going to have dinner every night for four nights. It's going to be a really um, good thing. So lots of good things going on this summer. we got a uh, church-wide picnic coming up July 16th that will be a good time. Um, today we're going to continue in Ecclesiastes. And so if you have a Bible or you can open it on your phone app, turn to chapter 9. And I keep hearing each week, me and Kevin keep hearing from you how much uh, that God is speaking to you through this book. And uh, it's kind of surprising to us. We're, we kind of set out and said, well, nobody will care about this book, right? But you guys keep saying, no, God's speaking to me in new ways. And so we come again to God's word, expecting him to speak today. So let's hear what he has to say and be those that listen and obey to what he is saying. Now, today, I want us to wrestle with this question. This is what Solomon's going to be wrestling with. Is it worth following Jesus? Is it worth it? Right? When you look at the world, does it really make a difference what you do? If you're religious, non-religious, whatever you do, does it make any sort of difference? Good question. Right, I hear it a lot. It comes out this way. Well, I really don't see any difference in the Christians' lives that I know, and maybe they're talking about behavior or the outcome of their life. Sometimes I, people that I know that don't know God seemingly live better lives and better things happen to them, and they're happier than I am. So does it really make a difference following Jesus? You know, in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, Solomon observed that the blessings and the tragedies of life, they, they don't seem to regard any person. They, they seem to come randomly. It doesn't seem to matter what they do and what God is doing. And it's easy to conclude in our under-the-sun thinking that it doesn't matter what we do. 
doesn't really matter if we follow Jesus. We experience good and bad. We experience the same things, and then we die. In fact, Ecclesiastes 9.3, Solomon's going to say this. This is an evil that the same things happen to everybody. Right? Come on, God, this is unfair. <laughs> so my kids always say to me, right? Dad, that's unfair. You gave that to him, but I got this. It's kind of what Solomon's getting at. And this is why some have even walked away from the faith. Feels unjust that those who are godly don't get the blessings in life always, and sometimes the wicked get everything. Looks like it doesn't matter. So that's what Solomon's wrestling with here in chapter 9. Does it really matter what we do? Look at verse 1. It says, But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise in their deeds are in the hand of God, whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and to the evil, to the clean and the unclean. To him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner. And he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun. That the same event happens to everyone. Also the hearts of the children of man are full of evil. Madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. You can hear his despair, right? It seems like it doesn't really matter. Who we are, what we do, we perform acts of love and hate. We really aren't quite sure if God is pleased with our actions. How will he judge our actions? We don't know. Did I do something God likes or not? I don't know because I don't seem to see the corresponding things happen in life. Religious action or not doesn't seem to change anything. Blessings and the tragedy of life come our way, and they don't help us figure out what is really worth it. They appear to be random. And I want to say this here. This is why we have to be really careful about trying to read the events of our lives as signs from God, particularly assigning things that happen to us or other people as blessing or punishment from God. How many times have you lost a job only to gain a better one and find out that losing the job was God's blessing to you. Or to get the job you always wanted, only to find out that that thing was a dog. <laughs> right? Solomon says, how do you know? How do you know something's a blessing or a curse? Was it because of my actions or was it just by chance? You know, this summer we're going to look at the book of Job, and there also he's going to explore this with his friends. His friends have some incorrect theology, and they keep telling Job, you know, you, you, you're experiencing all this tragedy, Job. It must have been something bad that you did. Right? And Job says, no, it's not the case, guys. Really, I swear, I didn't do anything bad. And this is that same feeling that Solomon's getting at. The same events happen to all people, good or bad. Feels like injustice, but God has not promised us a perfect life. Not promised peace, health, and prosperity for Christians. And Solomon is witnessing to the fact that it will be a mixed bag of blessing and tragedies. This is why things that we hear like in the prosperity gospel don't work. You do these things and God will bless you, maybe. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. 
or hashtag cursed. <laughs> we don't know what's coming. Solomon says a man doesn't actually know what happens to him. It's all in his God's hands. This is life under the sun, okay? This is what we're describing. This is how we experience life. But I want to take a second now. We're going we're gonna to jump above the sun and think about how God thinks about this in the gospel. See, life above the sun understands that God has sent us His Word that He will reveal to us what pleases Him. This becomes our, our sure guide in all of these things of life and our actions. Hebrews 4.12 says this, The Word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. As Solomon said, we don't know if it's love or hate, but this says the Bible does, that it can discern the heart content. And as believers, we want to learn to sit under God's Word of our life, let it critique us and begin to show us where we need to grow and change, where we need to be sanctified and can judge our actions if they are love or hate, good or evil. And despite what we may experience around us, as we cling to God's Word, as we trust in Him, it begins to guide us through the things that seem so random. In fact, Psalm 119.105 says this, David saying, Your word is a lamp unto my feet, it's a light unto my path. It's as if God's word is guiding us through all the darkness of life, showing us the right way. And following God, that's an act of faith. Trusting his word as we are singing, that's an act of faith. To walk with him. When everything seems to be contrary, the experiences and the feelings. But thinking again under the sun, Solomon says of the fact that the same things happen to the good and the evil. This is unjust, God. Come on. One thing Solomon does affirm is that people are evil. Right? Ecclesiastes 9.3, the heart of children of man are full of evil and madness is in their hearts. And I've talked to a lot of people that have lost their faith or been struggling for their faith and they've walked out there in the world for a while and they experienced the total depravity of man, how sinful people are, and oftentimes that's the thing that brings them back to the gospel. Because the biblical worldview explains, it best accounts for the brokenness that we all see. Solomon says, it all seems crazy, but I know this, people are bad, <laughs> And this is the starting point of the gospel, that man is utterly sinful to the core. And Solomon says, I see it everywhere. So if you're here struggling with faith this morning, I point you to consider the brokenness and the sin you see all around you. Look at that for a second and see if God's word doesn't give an explanation for this that makes sense. Now, despite the seeming randomness of life viewed under the sun, Solomon does point to the fact that one day our actions will be judged, right? So there, it does matter what we do. In fact, he says, regardless of what we do in this life, we will all die and face God. Listen to this, young people. This is a verse for you coming in chapter 11, Ecclesiastes 11.9. Solomon instructs the youth. He says, walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. He's saying, 
Go knock yourself out. Have a great time. But just remember, God's watching, right? And He's going to judge what you do. It may seem like it doesn't matter now, but it will. And the reality of a judgment by God, a holy God, should drive us now in this life to begin to get right with Him. As Hebrews 9.27 says this, is appointed for man to die once, and then comes judgment. I just told you guys the future, right? That's what's going to happen. Jesus says it this way. I love this parable. Matthew 13, 24 through 30, Jesus tells the parable of the wheat and the tares. He talks about how the kingdom of God is like a man who goes and sows seed uh, during the day, and then at night the enemy comes and he sows some weeds in the middle of all the wheat, and for a time, they're all going to grow together and it's going to be really hard to tell who's good and who's bad and what's good and bad. And he says, but then the day's coming when Jesus is going to harvest the field and he's going to separate the tares, the weeds to be burnt and the wheat to everlasting life. And so let's be a people that choose to live in the ways God has commanded now. Whether they bring us blessing or trial, we don't know because we know We'll do them because the judgment is coming. If you died today, what would you not want to talk to God about? <laughs> What's going on in your life this week that you go, I don't want to talk to God about that one. I showed up at his front door tonight. Christ invites us to get that right with him right now, to confess with him this morning, to repent, to begin walking in his grace and walk in a new way. In fact, Solomon talks to us a lot about death. We've been focusing on that for a couple weeks, and maybe you're going, okay, let's get over the death thing, right? Just because it gives us a wise perspective on life. It shows us what's important. shows us what we should do. In fact, look at what Solomon says here. He says that it's better to be alive and have hope. Look at verse 4. But he who is joined with all the living has hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. That's a funny saying. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward. For the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy, they've all perished. And forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. Solomon tells us two things here. It's better to be alive than dead. And we all go, amen, right? It's better to be alive and know that death is coming and to be able to do something about it, to be able to take hope and change our life. As we said, living with death in view gives us wisdom for life now. This is the Christian way to live. We know where we're going. He's told us. We keep the end in view and let's the reality of death drive us to the thing that matters. Things that matter before God as we prepare for eternity. And if you're alive right now, you're sitting in church this morning, you're watching online, there's hope for you, <laughs> right? You're like, there's no hope for me. No, Solomon's saying there's hope for you. You're alive now. Seek God. Now's the time, right? In fact, the Bible says the most important thing that you can do in your life to bring hope is to make Jesus Lord of your life. Have you made him Lord? Are you living like he's Lord? <laughs> Have you given him all of your life? <laughs> or just some of it? 
John 17, 3, Jesus says this, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. As we be- give our lives to Christ, we begin living in a new way. Our life begins to take on new meaning. It's, it's no longer meaningless because we know the creator of the universe. We know what he asks of us. We know what is lasting and important. Then we get to do great things in life. It's a growing relationship with God through Christ with an eternal perspective. And the things we do, Jesus tells us, really do matter. We can live each day in joy with things that are of eternal significance. Furthermore, John 5.24 says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, he has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. This is a good verse. Jesus is telling us, you know that death and judgment thing coming to all men where you'll have to account for all those deeds? He's saying, if you believe in me, then you've already been judged in me at the cross and you'll never be condemned. Yeah, let's get an amen for the thank you book. Because Jesus has taken our sin and given us his righteousness. See, in Christ, he accomplished all the works that God demands of you. Our judgment then becomes a commendation ceremony for what Jesus did as if you did it. (laughs) I think it's at that point we'll know how much Jesus did to save us. Because you're being commended for the things that Jesus did and you know in your heart how you lived your life. You say, it's all about you, Jesus. Take the crown. Furthermore, Jesus is the one who was dead and was raised, and he says, I know the way to eternal life. If you follow me, you have hope in this life that your life will never end. I can show you how to get there. So there's great joy in knowing God that God is pleased in me because of Christ, and God is taking me to a really great place. He says, trust me, follow me. It looks dark out there. It's hard to see and know what's going on. Trust me. Maybe you need Jesus to renew your hope and joy in the gospel this morning. Maybe you need to ask God to renew the joy of your salvation that says, you are approved and holy in Christ, and you're walking with me to a great place. Take some joy, right? Solomon also reminds us here about death and why death is better than life. He says, once you're dead, you're dead. You'll be forgotten on this earth, and everything you do, everything you stand for will pass away. I was watching a show on PBS one time with a Holocaust survivor, and he was talking to his grandson now. This guy was 100 years old. And he said, you know what? Hitler didn't win. He didn't win. You're proof he didn't win. And I just thought it was so profound. All those things that Hitler stood for all passed away, all gone. And the truth of the matter of that is that this man would then pass away, as the show told me at the very end, Right? This old man passed away, and all of us, all of our things will pass away, and yet there's a God who remembers. We've said he'll bring all men into judgment of what they have done, and for Christians, again, no more condemnation, just reward in Christ. So let's work at the things that matter. Let's work at the things that will last now and for eternity. Let's work at the things that God has given us. Let's, let's stop being blinded by the temporary things of this life that get us so 
hung up and live for something that matters and live with Jesus. In the words of Taylor Swift, shake it off, right? Okay, let's shake off all, all the death talk now. Let's look at what Solomon has to say in verse 7. And this is it. He's going to tell us, enjoy life. Okay, so this is the answer. Is it, is, is it worth following Jesus? And he says, yes, and enjoy life. Okay, look at what he says in verse 7. Go, eat your bread with joy, drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let no oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun, because this is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge of wisdom in Sheol or death to which you are going. This is a great passage. This is very similar to what Solomon has said to us in several others, chapter 2 and 3 and 5, but there's a, there's a little difference. He's saying, in light of the shortness of life, enjoy what God has given you, right? Almost a whiplash from what we were talking about before. And he said it several times, but this is the difference. That first word, before he says, you ought to do this, verse 7, he says, go, <laughs> go do it, enjoy it. Not just kind of, no, I mean really, go enjoy your life, is what he's saying to us. Because the things you have to enjoy, God has given them for your joy. And we should do it with the joy and contentment that God provides. That's, God says this is his gift to us in Ecclesiastes 3.13. And there should be no one that enjoys life as much as Christians. He's talking about God's approved what you do. He's saying God is sovereign over all things. If it happens, God already said it's going to happen. But for Christians, you're approved in Christ. Christ has said you're perfect. You are free to live your life in joy and contentment. Go and do it. It comes with a warning, right? Galatians 5.13, don't use your freedom for the flesh. Don't use it to go on sinning, but rather go on and glorify God with what you're doing. It says, enjoy the food and the wine. If you know me, I'm kind of a foodie. I'm a closet foodie. So I traveled to Nashville this week. It was a great time to go out with my parents to a lot of new places in town. They took me to their new favorite Mexican restaurant. We went to a Greek restaurant. We went to a hot chicken place. Went to Cracker Barrel. Somebody goes, that's not food. <laughs> but enjoy it. Be thankful to God. I sat there and man, God, this meal is so good. Thank you that I get to eat this. Right? It's part of how we get to communicate with God. As we enjoy the things that we, He has given us, we turn it back to praise to Him and say, Just God, thank you. Thank you for loving me so much. Enjoy the food and the wine. He says, dress well. Right? It was so fun to go to Max and Addie's wedding last weekend. Everyone dressed up. Everybody looked pretty good, right? Put on nice clothes, fixed your hair. Still wondering about Aaron, our intern, who braided his hair. But I miss the days when everybody dressed up, right? It makes you feel better. Solomon says, enjoy it. 
On my way back from Nashville, there's a plane leaving to London on British Airways, and I had my budget flight on Allegiant Air back to Provo. Guess who was dressed better? The Londoners, right? You could tell right off who they were and where they were going. Solomon says, take pride in your appearance. Enjoy clothes. Look nice, right? Feel better when you look nice. Praise God that you can wear nice things. Solomon says, enjoy life with your wife. That means, ladies, enjoy life with your husbands as well. This is the person God has given to you to live intimate with in life. This is them. We're going to talk more about God's providence in a second. Proverbs 18.22, it says, He who finds a good wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the the Lord. Love that woman. Enjoy her. Spend time with her. Make it fun. She's God's good gift to you. And your husband is a good gift to you as well. Don't treat her like she's a burden. Enjoy her. Solomon's saying, enjoy the gifts of God. Favorite verse on marriage, Proverbs 5, 18 through 19. This is about as steamy as it gets in the Bible, so buckle your seatbelt. I'll let your mind run wild on the metaphors. Says to a, Solomon saying to his son, let your fountain be blessed. Think about that hard tonight. And rejoice in the wife of your youth. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated with her love. Love that woman is what he's saying. This is God's good gift to you. And wives, rejoice in the man that God gave you. Enjoy life with him. He's God's good gift to you. Receive his love and his advances towards you. That's how God's made him to be. This is what makes life great. You know, comparison kills a marriage kills a relationship we think there's always something better out there and someone that can act nicer and and do something better we'll always be dissatisfied but when we look at that person that god gave us and go you're god's good gift to me it changes the equation right this is who god brought you so solomon's commands to enjoy all of the things of life and spouse or they're built on this belief in god's providence that God has approved all the things that come your way. The things, the people, the opportunities, listen, they're, they're not random. The Bible claims this is all in God's sovereignty. They're from God. He wants you to enjoy the things that come to you. This is what God has brought you. Enjoy it. If you'll pour into them, life will be really good, and you'll have a lot to praise God about. In fact, I challenge you this week. How are you going to enjoy your spouse? How are you going to enjoy your spouse? Take some time this week to intentionally enjoy them. And then do all things heartily with enjoyment is what he says. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might because one day it's passing away. So get it while you can, right? Do it it all with enjoyment. Solomon teaches us this great perspective on life and the sovereignty of God. You know, many of us want to know, what, what does God have for me? What's, what's God's will for my life? And a lot of finding God's will for your life is just look at what God brings your way, right? Who does He bring your way? What opportunities? Those are probably God's will for your life. <laughs> God says, step into them, 
See if they look good and do it. And if it's good, then keep doing it, Solomon says. Don't look for something too far outside the sphere of your life, right? Some of us construct this very particular situation that God needs to meet when he's giving us all these opportunities daily. Just pick it up and run with it, is what Solomon is saying. And each step you take, God will take you to something even greater as you do it with him, with joy. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10.31, So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Enjoy it and praise God doing it. Right? So how are you going to enjoy life with God this week? How are you going to give Him glory in the things that you're doing? Enjoy some food to the glory of God. Maybe take a shower and get dressed up to the glory of God. Put on some clothes to the glory of God. Take some clothes off with your spouse to the glory of God. And enjoy the work that God's given you. Verse 11, Solomon speaks again about God's providence, and he says this, Again I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net and like the birds that are caught in the snare, so the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. This is, this is thinking under the sun again, right? There's seemingly a, a randomness to life that brings about blessings and tragedies and we don't know when they're going to come and get us and ultimately we're going to get caught in the snare of death and it's over, okay? Seems to be no advantage to the physically able, the wise, the rich, they all have the same things happen to them. And we don't know when they're going to happen to us. And we all know those that have been healthy and strong and rich and then pass away in an instant. Right? We don't know what's going to happen. And yet the Bible again witnesses to the fact that there's a God who sits over all of these things. Okay, we're jumping back above the sun. What appears to be random from our perspective on this world is actually in God's plan to make this world a lot better. Psalm 139.16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when I, as yet there was none of them. It means God wrote out every day of your life before you ever lived them, before you were ever even created. He has a plan for your life. Acts 17, 26, and 27 says, God determined the allotted periods and the boundaries of our dwelling places so that we would seek God and we would find Him. It means God knew everywhere you're going to live. If you're moving or you're thinking about moving, God knows where you're going. He says, I put you there so that you'll seek and find me. So wherever you are, whatever you're experiencing, our job is to go, okay, God, where are you? How can I follow you? If we want to survive the seemingly randomness of this world like we sung this morning, we need to cling to God who was and is and always will be and trust that He is working a plan that we have hardly any knowledge about. And it will be for our good and His glory. I read a quote by a, a Dutch Reformed theologian. You always got to be careful about those guys. They're a little bit intense. It's Herman Bavnik, and he says this about God's providence. 
He says, believing in God's providence is a confession that He alone preserves and governs all things. And He does this in such a way that everything leads to and cooperates with His appointed end. And that such a confession, if we believe that, can save us both from superficial optimism about how good we can be, that denies the riddles of life, and it also saves us from presumptuous pessimism of the despairs of life. Because there is a God that's going right down the middle with His good purposes for us. And so let's be those that anchor our life in the one who has authored all of our days, who's authored the days of this earth, that is saying, I'm doing a good thing, I'm doing it through Christ, come with me and your life is going to be really, really good. Let's anchor and put our trust in Him. Now, as we come to the end of this section, uh, Solomon is going to remind us once again, he's done this a couple times, that life is better with wisdom. Okay, so let's look at verse 13 through 18 here. It says, I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with a few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor, wise man, and he, by his wisdom, delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might. Though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard, the words of the wise, heard in quiet, are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. <laughs> wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Here Solomon is, is marveling at the goodness of life with wisdom. That this poor little man in a little town could defeat a huge army that was coming against him. He talks about siege works. They used to build these big ramps to go over the city wall. It would take them months to do sometimes. So the people would sit in the city fearful about the judgment that's coming, and, and eventually they would come over the wall. And he says, this poor little man saved the city. There's saved him from destruction by his wisdom. And yet once the war was over, no one remembered him, nor did they heed his words anymore. And honestly, let's be honest, we do this all the time. See somebody poor, disheveled, not economic or economically challenged, we might just ignore them, right? We might think they don't have much to say. Our culture likes to grab on to things that look strong and, and go with the strong things, and yet Solomon's saying, there's something to this. I've seen wisdom come from this poor man. He says, if we want to be wise and want a good life with God, we must learn to listen to his words that are just spoken in quiet. And Ben, you can come on up. You know, Isaiah 53 speaks of another poor servant who left the riches of heaven for the poor places of the earth who began to put in a plan to be pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. As the enemies of the world, Satan included, began to come against this poor little man in the little city of Jerusalem, of all their implements of the Jewish law and Roman torture they had, they didn't realize they were falling into his wise trap to save the world. 
that as they killed this man, he was actually, they were actually fulfilling God's plan to save this city and much more of this world. That the wisdom of God and Christ had actually outsmarted the stronger enemy. Acts 2.23 says that Jesus, the very wisdom of God, used the sinful acts of man, those that wanted to kill, them in, kill him in his hate, in his providence to save us. That this is our God's good providence, using the evil of this world for his good purposes for you and I. And he did that for us in Christ and regularly does it for each one of us in our lives. 1 Corinthians 1.25 says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And what appeared to be the end of the story for Jesus, a poor man forgotten and despised by many, even written off in the course of history, for those that are listening to his whisper, this poor man saved the world. And he can save you. In fact, 1 Corinthians 28 and 30 says, God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. Because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. John 15, 26 tells us that Jesus will send his Holy Spirit and he will testify to our hearts with a whisper about who Christ is. Are you listening? Hebrews 3, 15 tells us today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Is life better with Jesus? Is it worth living? Does it matter? what we do? Solomon say absolutely yes. It matters what we do. God is taking account of what we do and yet for those of us that can hear the whisper of the Spirit in our heart, he says, you don't have to come into judgment with me. In fact, Christ paid for your sins on the cross and you can exchange your sins for his righteousness and when you stand in his righteousness you are holy and God is completely happy with you. And then he says, come and live life with me. Just trust me. It looks crazy out there, but I got good things for the world and for you if you'll trust me. So his invitation to us today is, are you going to come live over the sun with Jesus? Are you going to look over the sun, over the things of the earth, and trust what he said? If you got some things you need to repent of this morning, respond to God that way. We'll have our prayer team stationed around with our staff. You can come and pray with them. Whatever it is you need to get right with Jesus, let's bring it to him this morning and let him meet it. Maybe you need to come to, to find him for the first time today. If that's you, come down here. We'll pray with you. We'll help you find Christ, the God of the Bible that saved men. Whatever you need to do to get right with God this morning, let's do it. Father, thank you for goodness to us. Thank you for your word that speaks to our heart. Father, help us to listen to the whisper of your spirit in our heart that says, go this way, turn that way, put that away, take this on. Father, I pray that you would continue to transform our lives as we give our lives to you as well. 
may we trust you in the midst of the madness of this world. God, may you take us to your good place with you. We pray all this in the name of Christ. Amen.